Or am I? Good morning. I'm Judith Lay and this is Praise, the programme that connects faith and daily life. On Praise Today, a new saint is declared in Rome and Pam Rhodes returns, talking about songs of praise and why she cares so passionately about the work of the leprosy mission. The new saint is John Henry Newman and his two best-known hymns are featured on today's programme. This is the first, Praise to the Holiest in the Height.
The St. Michael Singers with Blessed John Henry Newman's composition Praise to the Holiest in the Height. In Rome today, five people will be declared saints by Pope Francis. This is not something that the Catholic Church does often, nor does it do it lightly. It is only done after the proving of two true miracles and a deep investigation of the whole life and contribution to the world of those to be declared saints. Of the five who've been found worthy, among them is John Henry Newman, an English intellectual in the Victorian era who was an Anglican priest until the age of 44, at which point he withdrew from the Church of England and after three years of deep thought, study and prayer, he converted to Roman Catholicism. It was a brave move. In those days, it cost him his friends and family, and after his training and ordination as a Catholic priest, he faced much opposition, misunderstanding, suspicion and resentment by authority figures. Nevertheless, John Henry Newman went on to found a Catholic university, a religious community and a school. Prince Charles, who will represent Her Majesty the Queen at the ceremony in Rome today, has said that the canonization of Blessed John Henry Newman will be a cause for celebration not just for Catholics or for the people of Britain, but for all who share his vision. He said, The world needs Newman's example more than ever, a man who could advocate without accusation, could disagree without disrespect, and perhaps most of all could see differences as places of encounter rather than exclusion. Whatever our own beliefs or tradition, we can be thankful for the gifts rooted in his Catholic faith which Newman shared with the wider society, his huge body of work, sermons, books, poetry and hymns. Cardinal Vincent Nichols, who's leader of the Roman Catholic Church in England and Wales, will also be in Rome for today's ceremony. He said that John Henry Newman was utterly convinced that in all our experiences in this world there is a sign, a shadow, like a fingerprint of the presence of God. From his earliest years as a priest of the Church of England and throughout his time as a Catholic priest, right up to his death at the age of 89, he was unwavering in his care for the poor. Around 20,000 people lined the streets of Birmingham to pay their respects as his hearse passed by. He was admired even by people who didn't share his views, and it's been said that he has done more than any other person to change the attitude of non-Catholics to Catholics. It was said, Cardinal Newman goes to his grave with the singular honour of being by all creeds and classes acknowledged as the just man made perfect. We'll have another hymn by John Henry Newman later in the programme. But now, the return of a very popular guest. Pam Rhodes, Vice President of the Leprosy Mission, who was on the island recently for the launch of the new charity Leprosy Mission Isle of Man. It's so nice to be here. We've met wonderful people. And, and of course, the fact that the people on this island have connected in, in such a wonderfully enthusiastic way with the work of the Leprosy Mission that's very dear to me makes me realise I'm meeting a lot of friends here. I would like to talk about your personal involvement and your personal experiences because it's not that long since you were in Nepal yourself. Well, I think before we leave the fact that the island has become so enthusiastic that they are setting up the organisation that's needed to take it forward, it's worth looking back to the fact that for about 140 years, the Leprosy Mission has done most of its fundraising through churches. 
all over the United Kingdom and that churches have from a very, very early time recognised the need here. Perhaps it's because of that story of Christ and the lepers in, in the Bible, the way we hear that people with leprosy then were reviled, were feared, there was a lot of superstition, they had evil spirits within them and real hatred and we saw it then and our hearts go out to them. What's shocking for me and the reason why when I was asked to become a vice president, I just couldn't say anything except yes, was the fact that it's still so similar today. There are about 7 million people around the world suffering from leprosy, 4,000 of them with life-changing disabilities. The rest of them, the other 3 million, we're guessing at how many there are because they aren't diagnosed. And the reason they aren't is the same stigma, the same fear, the same superstition that Christ knew in his day. And, you know, here we are in the 21st century. It still exists. There's been a cure for 30 years and we've got to get rid of this. The tablets are, are made available free of charge. It's the distribution that the charity is so concerned with, isn't it? Absolutely. Obviously, that has got to be sorted out and it re- reflects so often what's going on politically or, or socially in wherever that particular pocket of need is. But I think that the fact that there is this multi-drug therapy, antibiotics that stop the development of leprosy from that moment on. Obviously, the person who may have been living with it in hiding, you know, we've heard of people being children being locked in sheds for six years at a time. I met a young man when I was at Anandaban, um, a stonemason who had recently married six months before, but for, for some years had had the signs of leprosy and he'd never spoken to his wife about it because of the fear of the implications mm. of what she might do, what the community might do. That that, that fear of coming clean is still so prevalent today that they don't come and get the treatment that's there. So it's education, isn't it? It's it's spreading the word. And But the other thing, the other wonderful thing that the Leprosy Mission are doing is giving these people a purpose, a hope, a future, helping them to get back into meaningful employment, sustainable employment. Yes. And that is, is, the, is the key. D- just trying to dispel some of this superstition and stigma is great. But also these people, especially people who have lost limbs, part of limbs, you know, shaping work that they can do. It's a great work, isn't it? Absolutely. And I mean, going right back to basics, they are just people like us in different circumstances. And their hopes and dreams for themselves and their families are exactly the same as ours. They want health. They want opportunity. They want a home that they can rely upon and feel is secure. They want money they can earn themselves. They want the opportunity to have a dignified life of value and worth. Um, And perhaps they don't always want to be on the receiving end of charity. They want the pleasure that we all have in knowing that we have something we can share to benefit others. I'd like to see them be able to do that too. And yes, all of those things you said are true, that that actually we have to help them overcome all of those obstacles to get to the life they deserve. And the awful thing is, Pam, is that it affects people in countries that are naturally challenged. Nepal is a country that's prone to natural disasters. And so a road that you were previously using to get to a village suddenly isn't there anymore. There isn't the money to rebuild it. So there's, there's natural challenges, aren't there? Absolutely. And they are such wonderful, warm hearted, sort of basically optimistic people, I think. But yes, of course, in Nepal in 2015, two devastating earthquakes, many more shakes that came afterwards. A thousand people killed in Kathmandu and many, many more injured. And of course, Anandaban Hospital 
is several miles out of Kathmandu in the foothills of the Himalayas. But when those earthquakes hit and they needed medical treatment in their thousands, they made their way there. And the staff worked round the clock. The staff who had also lost people they loved, who had also lost their homes, worked for months on end. And the people with leprosy that they had hated and reviled and stayed away from for so long gave up their beds to share everything they had with this local community. And actually, out of all of that has come a wonderful new understanding there and a recognition that medical help should be for all. And there is a notice when you go to Anandaban right at the front of the main entrance, which says the most important people in this hospital are those with leprosy but the doors are open to others. And as over time, Anandaban rebuilds, it will take time. I mean, there's such a lot of damage still, as you said. You know, the roads to get there are like, well, <laughs> I don't know how you describe them. There aren't really roads, but but it will always have at its heart the recognition that it is now part of a community. And that's perhaps the most hopeful thing of all. What you are aware of the moment you arrive, and you bear in mind, if you are someone with leprosy who's been embarrassed and fearful about what you've had, you finally make your way to Anandaban. And what you realise is around you is acceptance that all of the other patients have had exactly the same sort of journey. And to take that burden of trying to hide what you have and what you are off your shoulders is a tremendous relief. You can just see the, the fellowship between them all. But... Uh, but it's such a holistic approach. Obviously, the hospital mends bones, does operations, provides prosthetics, helps with aftercare and treatment and self-help and, and vocational training. Yes, it does all of those things, but it recognises the wounding of the mind too. When you have children like Mahendra, who at the age of 10, when he was finally diagnosed, his dad said, well, let him die then as he walked away because he'd be better off being dead than having leprosy. I, I met so many young people there who had just been pushed aside by their parents. But then you also find that just the example of the staff there who pray with their patients, who will sleep a night with them if they need to, if they're worried, who worship together, have a chapel there, just the example of that Christian loving practice is very powerful. And quite a few of those patients actually turn to Christ. Well, there I met a young girl who was 11, 12 years old. And just what she'd seen in terms of the loving Christian care was changing her life in more ways than just the medical. You're mentioning all the treatment that is done, but it needs to be remembered that it's done with very basic equipment. Oh, that is such an understatement, Judith, because uh, the devastation, bearing in mind that the buildings of the hospital sort of straddle up the hill and it's lots of small buildings. When I was there, they were in a building uh, which meant that they were doing their operations in a corridor, cracks in the walls, all very Heath Robinson. And the other end of the building was literally sliding down the mountainside. And in order to get patients from the ward where they were prepared to take them, you know, the, the short walk in a way up to the next layer meant going up a really steep slope. And it took four people to push them up and hang on to them to get them in. And then once they'd had these really major operations, they'd be coming back down in the dusty pathway again to recover. I just think miracles happen every day, every hour there. And just the challenge that A, there is a cure and that we must build on that. But in order for that to be really relevant, we have to educate. So our outreach teams have to get into communities and, and allow them to recognise that people with leprosy 
are valued and are safe to be with and need loving care to build community support. And also the ongoing research at Nandaban does world-class research. People come from all over the world. And it's typical of how humble they are, speaking to Dr Indra, who's the main doctor there, saying, you know, how wonderful it is that these people come to study what's going on and then they take that knowledge about leprosy and the research back to their own countries. And he said, we are the fortunate ones because they bring all of their experience to us and that informs everything we do. That's my special guest today, Pam Rhodes, sharing her passion for the work of the Leprosy Mission, of which she's Vice President. She's also much loved as a Songs of Praise presenter on BBC television, something else I was very keen to find out more about. I asked her first how she'd started in the world of television. The very first programme I ever did, and I was working behind the scenes, was with with Eamon Andrews, because I was working on the local evening news programme for Thames Television. Never really thought about being a presenter. That sort of happened almost by accident. I ended up being asked to present a school series. First of all, I thought, well, you know, it's only 10 programmes, so I'll just do that and then I'll, I'll go back to a proper job. And that was sort of 40 years ago now. But I went into local news. I presented the local news programme for the Anglia region for quite a long time. I did lots of other television work at the same time but then Songs of Praise knocked on the door about 1987 I just did one programme which happened to be in my own diocese of St Albans about a youth rally that goes to show how young I was then Judith which happens always on Easter Monday and young people make a pilgrimage from wherever they are in this huge diocese and I thought well you know that would be a one-off but I didn't have a contract for years and years they just kept ringing and and there was a point when I was ending up doing it virtually on my own for many years. But the, the presenters in those days were Cliff Mitchell Moore and Alan Titchmarsh. I worked with for many years on that. Debbie Thrower, the Reverend Roger Royal, Steve Chalk, of course, has been on it. And Alit has been on it now for about 20 years. And there's a whole new generation now. And in fact, the programme is no longer made by the BBC. Songs of Praise was the very first programme that the BBC put out to tender, which is what they've said they're going to do with all their programmes. And we just thought, oh, well, that's the writing on the wall. They want to get rid of the whole slot. But in actual fact, it was taken over by a new independent company. So now we've gone back to making those outside broadcasts in churches. And now it, it has got a whole new lease of life. And we've just heard that we will go on for another three years. So yes, it's 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 working well. And your level of involvement with it now, Pam? Well, I'm still on the team. But I think I'm obviously the, you know, the grandma, really, the... <laughs> Elder Statesman. And, you know, there's Catherine Jenkins and there's uh, J.B. Gill, you know, and a whole new generation of very good presenters all bringing something different. The time on Songs of Praise, Pam, do you think it's deepened your faith being so close to people in so many different circumstances? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm the lady with the questions, aren't I? So you have the amazing privilege, knowing what the story is before you go and meet someone, to say within minutes, perhaps, of starting that interview, well, how has it been for you since your daughter died? I suppose ministers have that experience too, that chance to just cut to what really matters. But on Songs of Praise, you know you have a story to tell and you have to get it into a time slot, but you have to allow people to talk. And I can't tell you how many times I've ended up with both of us in tears at the end of something. How many people I've kept in touch with over the years. Many, many people, dear friends now, are people that I met first through Songs of Praise. Because you can't ask people to be so generous with their pain and their experience and also their hope and what they've found helped them through without being instant friends, really. 
I think it's just having that opportunity to be alongside people in that way with sometimes the most horrendous stories, sometimes news headline stories, but to find the humanity behind it and to always talk about it in retrospect so that they are able to talk about not just the tough times, but also how they pick things up again and where faith fitted into that and where doubts were part of that journey. I mean, a lot of people have their faith knocked for six when they lose someone they love or something terrible happens, an injustice sometimes. But there's nearly always a building back up again. And normally their honesty shows us that, you know, that could take years and it's never necessarily quite the same again. But it, it's it's matured and it's beaten into its existence really by the, the knocks of life. And what they say, sometimes it's just one line that touches the listener at home and it changes everything. We have so many letters from people who say just that. And and I personally feel, it'd be interesting to know what you think about this, but I don't think Songs of Praise, even though it's Christian to its heart, is only there for Christians. Because if you're talking about bereavement in an honest way, does it matter if the person who hears it is Christian or of another faith or of no faith at all, if what they hear helps so I'm not sure it is a substitute for church. I hope it's complementary to that. And I think in a way we've opened the doors on churches. I think we share what churches are doing. We share it as an opportunity for other people to pick what works for them. One of the great worries that people have had in recent years is that it isn't sitting in its normal slot of tea time on a Sunday, which it had done for many years. And that was quite difficult because, I mean, we have to acknowledge that quite a few of our viewers come from that older age group where they haven't necessarily got the recording facilities or, you know, the, the most posh television services to be able to record or even find it. And they've lost Songs of Praise when it's been pushed around in the afternoons on Sundays. But to the BBC's credit, it's never, ever not been on. So every single Sunday for years, it has always been on every Sunday. It might get knocked to BBC Two, but now we have a permanent slot at quarter past one. But I'm still worried that a lot of our older viewers haven't quite discovered that yet. No. And it's, it's not as convenient a time for them. But I think, you know, the numbers are holding. But I think we have to reflect what's going on in churches. For example, the fastest growing churches in the UK are the black churches and the evangelical churches. We have lots of gospel music. We have lots of worship songs. And, and uh, you know, that's infectious. And that is bringing in different groups of audience who find that there's something there for them. So it's not the, um, you know, the old fashioned songs of praise anymore. And it wouldn't deserve to be on air if it was. It needs to move with the times and reflect what's going on.
and with more music from St. John Henry Newman. And thanks to my special guest today, Pam Rhodes, that's all that we've time for on this morning's programme. Thank you for listening to this week's Praise Podcast. There's a new Praise Podcast available every Sunday morning. You can subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify via the Manx Radio smartphone app or at manxradio.com. The Praise blog is where you'll find our full church notice board, alongside details of everything that we've talked about on today's programme. Again, go to manxradio.com, on the homepage, click on air, and on the drop-down menu, follow the link for blogs. So, till we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for your company, and I wish you, and those you love, every blessing in the days ahead. Music